Well, tonight we get to hear from the parish pastor of the Sacred Gracies, Colfax Joe Lloyd, on this Beatitude of Jesus. Um, I had asked Joe to speak at TNL this week uh, before any of the current craziness set in, and uh, I didn't want to change anything about that. This virus has taken enough. Us getting to hear from Joe tonight is something that it can't take. So sit back, relax, and hear from my friend Joe about the merciful. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Tonight we look at blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Mercy is a commonly known word and idea, whether you're six years old or 86 years old, you have heard about mercy or you've learned about mercy at some point in your life. About a year and a half ago, we had two foster kids living with us and they really loved listening to the radio. For them, it was a a small way for them to feel some normalcy, to feel like life wasn't in upheaval because they would listen to music with their family and sing along. And so Kate and I got in the habit of listening to music with them. One day we were listening to the radio and the song Mercy by Sean Mendez came on. Sean Mendez is a household favorite. Uh, last summer, Kate dragged me to his concert. Uh, but in this song in particular, the word mercy happens around 15 times. I will spare you from singing it, but here's one of the lyrics from the song. Won't you please have mercy, mercy on my heart. And by that, even if you don't know anything else about the song, you can gather that it's about love and heartbreak and hoping from hoping for mercy, some kind of break from this pain that they're experiencing. At one point in the song, the six-year-old goes, Joe, what's mercy? Even as a six-year-old, he's trying to figure out and understand what mercy is. I explained as best I could to a six-year-old that mercy is wanting a break from something that's really hard. Maybe you've done something wrong and you need someone to help you out of that. Again, whether you are six or 86, mercy is a concept that we are familiar with. We tend to want mercy for ourselves, but we can be hesitant to extend mercy to others. There is also a disdain for mercy. As the Cobra Kai sensei, John Crass, says in Karate Kid 1, mercy is for the weak. An enemy deserves no mercy. While humorous, there's certainly a connection between mercy and weakness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Here, the Greek word that is used in the text is elias. And this is specifically compassion for those who are afflicted and a desire to relieve their affliction. It's compassion plus action. It's active and volitional. We're often told to have mercy or to be merciful. What Jesus has in view here is misery and its relief. He has in mind compassion for those who are afflicted, accompanied by the action to relieve this suffering. Often we may think of mercy as something that's extended to someone who deserves a punishment, but here mercy is functioning by relieving an affliction. In the Old Testament, mercy is commonly understood and compared to this Hebrew word called hesed. 
Now this word has said is deep and rich with meaning. It's one word that comes with a whole host of ideas. It's loving kindness. It's steadfast love. It's a loyalty to a covenant. It's used 248 times in the Old Testament. And the comparison of hesed in the Old Testament is the Greek word that's used here. It's mercy that includes loyalty based on compassionate love and loyalty that protects the covenant. This is one of the defining characters of God in Exodus 34. After Moses has broken the first tablets of the Ten Commandments and God has given him the new tablets, God begins to explain who he is and what he is like. He's given them a set of rules, but that, those rules don't tell them what he is like. And this is what he says. He says, I am the Lord, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And that is this word has said as God is talking about him, himself. He explains that he is this. He is merciful. He is compassionate and he is faithful. Many of these occurrences happen throughout the book of Psalms. And this is where they sing and proclaim God's steadfast love and mercy and compassion. There's also times throughout scripture where we see God's loving kindness is despised. This same word has said is used in Jonah four after God spares Nineveh and Jonah is angry because the Assyrians didn't get destroyed. And Jonah cites God's steadfast love as to why he didn't want to go to the Ninevites in the first place, because he knew that God was merciful and that God would relent. This can often be our story. We are grateful for mercy that God extends to us but we can disdain the same mercy when it's extended to others and especially to others that we believe do not deserve it. But if God is, has said, if he is steadfast love and mercy and compassion, then whoever this love or covenant, whenever it gets broken, it's on us. But God is rich in mercy, always restores us back to himself. He gives mercy Here in the Beatitudes and in the Gospels, Jesus is the conduit by which mercy is poured out. We get to know what God is like through Jesus. Why is all this important to know? Because God and Jesus are in complete and utter contrast for the gods and rulers of the day when Jesus speaks these Beatitudes. Rome was not known for their mercy. Around the time of Jesus, there's Herod, who we're all familiar with, who infamously ordered the murder of children throughout Bethlehem. He's known for his paranoia of being murdered and betrayed that often led to him killing family members. Caligula was the Roman emperor just after the time of Jesus. He was known for torture and extreme brutality. Then there is Nero, who was the Roman emperor as when most of the New Testament is being written, and he follows the same theme. He's ruthless in his violence and destruction. He burns cities to the ground, and he was responsible for the deaths of thousands, even family members. And it's not just the rulers of Rome that are like this. In the pagan world, especially among the philosophers, mercy was regarded as a character defect because mercy involves providing unearned help or relief. It's not governed by reason at all. They would teach that you must learn to curb the impulse to be merciful to ignore the cry of mercy for the undeserving. See, there's nothing about Rome or its people or its emperors that exhibited mercy. They are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from God who is compassionate and slow to anger and who and Jesus who is here on this earth. They rule through power and terror and extreme violence. Mercy was only a sign of weakness. 
And this was the moral climate of which Christianity taught that mercy is one of the primary virtues, that a merciful merciful God requires humans to be merciful. This is why God and Jesus are so categorically different. God defines himself by his mercy and Jesus is the flesh and blood of of the mercy of God. As we progress through Lent, we're building up to Holy Week, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus, where he goes to the cross, which is another way that God's mercy is extended to us. And here in the Beatitudes, we continue to see the pages filled with people who we would not anticipate to find themselves as being blessed. If we were to write our own list of people who are blessed, it would certainly not be those who are perceived to be weak or those who are extending mercy. But Jesus is finding these people and he's saying those who give mercy will receive mercy in return. Last week, we addressed blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We tend to think that justice and mercy are opposites, but I actually think that these two beatitudes are related to each other. And it's important that they're right next to one another. Blessed are the righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied and blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. I would contend that much of the justice that's seen throughout the Bible is restorative justice. Rather than being retributive justice of you have done something wrong and there is retribution and here is what you deserve. It's a justice that is meant to restore. It restores people back to God and it restores people back to one another. And mercy is simply another component of that. In order to long for rightness and justice in the world, we also crave mercy. We crave compassion for those who are afflicted to be alleviated. In his book, Just Mercy, Brian Stevenson writes about his experience of being a lawyer. He is a Harvard-educated lawyer that decides to go to Alabama and to work with people who are on death row. And there he starts his organization called Equal Justice Initiative, and he works to overturn wrongful convictions of those that are there on death row. Throughout his book that was also recently made into a movie this past year called Just Mercy, he has many profound things to say about mercy, and here's a couple of them. The power of just mercy is that it belongs to the undeserving. It's when mercy is least expected that it's most potent, strong enough to break the cycle of victimization and victimhood, retribution and suffering. It has the power to heal the psychic harm and injuries that lead to aggression and violence, abusive power, mass incarceration. He paints this beautiful picture of this combination of justice and mercy and just mercy belongs to the undeserving. And this is precisely what I believe that Jesus is getting at. And this is precisely what was so disdained by the Roman empire. It's when mercy is least expected that it's most potent and it goes out to those to break the cycle. Those who are victims, those who are suffering, those who are crying out that need alleviation. Mercy is compassion plus action. Stevenson goes on to say, mercy is just when it's rooted in hopefulness and freely given. Mercy is most empowering, liberating, and transformative when it's directed at the undeserving. 
The people who haven't earned it, who haven't even sought it, are the most meaningful recipients of our compassion. This is, again, a beautiful picture of what mercy looks like. Mercy is powerful. It brings hope. It empowers. It is liberating, and it transforms. And it's most beautiful, I believe, when it's often directed to those who do not deserve it. It empowers and it alleviates their affliction. Throughout the series, we've said that the way that we can engage the Beatitudes is to listen to and align ourselves with those who find themselves in these categories. And honestly, right now, it might seem pretty easy to find ourselves in some of these lines throughout the Beatitudes. We need mercy. We cry out for God's mercy, especially when it feels like the world is falling apart. In our prayers of the people, we often say, Lord, have mercy. It's one of the most common prayers that Christians say, one of the most common prayers that we find throughout the Bible is, Lord, have mercy on us. I believe that we find ourselves in a unique place in history where we as followers of the way of Jesus can be characterized by our mercy, by our love, and by our compassion to our friends, to our neighbors, and perhaps even to our enemies. Later this week, I'll send out an email with some options of ways that we can be involved in our neighborhood. There are ways that people need our help, that people need someone to have mercy on them, to reach down and to alleviate their affliction, to have compassion. There's plenty of ways right now that we can do that. Even though that it feels like we are involuntarily trapped in our homes, there are, way, there are ways that we can still help our friends and our neighbors. Mercy involves action. It's not passive. If you need something, please let me know. If there's something that I can do, something that our church can do, Right now, the Sacred Grace as a whole, we have reactivated what's called the Grace Fund. So you can go online to thesacredgrace.com slash give, and you can give to the Grace Fund, and that will be directed to people who come and ask for help during this time. So there's ways for us to be active. Mercy is certainly something that involves an action. One of the things that I learned about mercy this week that I hadn't thought about was the connection between mercy and empathy. We often see those around us and we can feel their pain, their affliction, their suffering. And our desires have mercy on them because we can empathize with them. And that's precisely the place that Jesus was, was at himself. In Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus is able to empathize with us because he experienced the human range of emotion and temptation. And because of that empathy, he continues to be merciful. So how can you be merciful this week? Is there a way for you to show the world what God is like for us to show the world of his abounding love and steadfast faithfulness and compassion? God characterizes himself by his mercy, and we see that exhibited in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus.